And this is how you know this is fiction, is because he got arrested. <laughs> and this is how you know. Welcome back to Hate Spinnerbait, the podcast where we hate spinnerbait, but we love when Sarah doesn't follows us on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's us, Taylor Swift, and like 65 other people. So we're in yeah. very good company. No big deal. No, no big deal. Big deal. Cash. Um, Casual. Super cash. Um, my name is Michael Ann. Obviously, you guys know that, hopefully. If not, welcome in. Um, and with me, as always, is Bethany. How's it going, Hello, Beth? everyone. Yeah, it's it's me. Hi. Uh, Sarah doesn't follow us and Taylor Swift. So, yeah. So, no big deal. No big deal. No big no deal. But, but only the biggest deal, mm -hmm. basically. We're here. It's a beautiful... It's actually not a beautiful Saturday afternoon that we're recording. It's, it's kind of dreary today. But... Um, when it's Saturday afternoon, nonetheless, uh, that we're, again, that we're recording. And we're here to do it, guys. We're finishing off Dreamland. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, this book is absolutely <laughs> mind-blowingly beautiful and so well-written. Yes. But, oh, my God, I cannot revisit this ever again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Ever again. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna shelf this one. A beautiful book i'm gonna put it on my bookshelf but i'm not gonna be taking it off the bookshelf mm -mm. again no. probably ever probably Never. ever probably but again <laughs> so good it is honestly so good and the ending so we'll we'll get into it but before we dive in um we will of course have to do our our recap uh but before we do our recap this is of course uh your friendly trigger warning reminder there is going to be abuse and abusive relationships and lots of other triggering things in this. So please, uh, please tap out. This will be the last week you have to tap out if, if that's going to be triggering to you. And we'll see you next episode next week when we uh, get to dive into this lullaby, which we promise will be a lot lighter and happier. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. And in the meantime, if this is depressing you, follow us on Instagram where we're having a really good time making Taylor Swift playlists for characters in the novels. Oh my you God. You want a little dose of happiness? <laughs> it's the it's literally the best time. Like I am just sitting there listening to Taylor Swift songs all day. Like, hmm, which character is this one for? Which character it's, is this one for? It's honestly, it's really good. We have we have some good ones coming up as well. So, everyone, stay tuned for that. Get excited. We're having a good time. We hope you're enjoying it as well. And uh, without further ado, let's recap. I mean, if you want to recap this book, if you'd like to just recap Prince Harry's memoir instead, because that <laughs> it's not lighter. It's also kind no. of dark. <laughs> no, it's that's not. also really depressing. But I've been enjoying reading it. Let me tell you. Well, I, again, I don't know too. if enjoy is the right word, but 
I mean, yeah, I got like it's been it's been a good read. It's fascinating. It I'm only I'm only like sixty pages in because I'm reading this um mystery series that takes place in like Victorian times and I'm Ooh. obsessed with it. It's called Veronica Speedwell. If anybody else reads them, they are so good. I'm like hooked. So I can't read anything else really. I love Victorian time. I started reading. I'm also not super far into the memoir. I started reading it. I broke down and ended up getting the Kindle version because I just like wanted to read it. But that Mm -hmm. actually ended up being kind of clever because yesterday I was driving back and forth to Gainesville and I had time to kill in my car. So I listened to a podcast and then it dawned on me I can get the Audible one for free. And since it's all connected, it knew my place. So it like picked up on Audible like where I was from having read it. So I listened to it for like two hours yesterday and now I can like go back to reading it if I want. So that's kind of cool. Oh my God. That's a really good idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess I'm going to do that. If you're reading it, you and you have the Kindle version, you can also get the Audible version for free. And then, yeah, you can like switch back and forth if you want. Um, Prince Harry does narrate it. So like it's literally him narrating Mm. it. So it's very good Um, that it kept me entertained for my drive. So there we go. Now that I've plugged Amazon, which uh, not like Jeff Bezos needs any more money. Y'all are already Mm -hmm. using Amazon. You're already using yeah. the Kindle, the Audible, and Prime. I know. It's um, like impossible to, to, to not. not. Yeah, there's it, no, what is it? There's there's no ethical consumption in um, capitalism, yes. basically, at this point. Yep. So, but yeah, now that I pimp them out enough, uh, I guess I've stalled, right? I've stalled long enough. I guess <laughs> we'll talk about this one. But Prince Harry, though. No, I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> oh my God. I just got to the part. Okay, no spoilers. No spoilies, but I just read the part where he goes hunting for the stag. Yeah. Oh, like, and that's so disturbing. I was like, I'm going to shut this and read my little mystery book for now. Because what the? Yeah. Anyway, this is not a Harry, (laughs) Harry, uh, Prince Harry uh, recap podcast, but. I have a lot of thoughts and a lot but of it feelings. Could be, if you all want to hear us, no, I'm <laughs> we can do a bonus Patreon episode where we talk about it. Yes, where we talk about the Prince Harry memoir. We know y'all oh are reading it. It's like the number one selling book in the world right now. Right. If you're not reading it, read it. Hit us. Recap us the first 10 chapters of joy <laughs> that we have read so far. <laughs> So, um, we, our main character is Caitlin. She, um, her sister ran away on her 16th, on Caitlin's 16th birthday. She lives in New York now. She's barely speaking to the family. The family is a mess. Um, Caitlin has not been handling it very well. So she gets into a very abusive relation relationship with a man named Rogerson. And at this point in the novel, they are deep in it, deep, deep, deep in it. Um, he hits her, he manipulates her it's it's everything it's basically her entire life now um her mom is nobody notices nobody's noticing for some reason um and yeah that's kind of where we where we're at mm-hmm. she has a best friend rena rena is you know in her own 16 year old girl world which happens corinna yeah. has been a good oh yeah 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 uh, you know, what sort of looking for a kind of support system, I guess. She's been a good mm-hmm. friend she for has. the most part. We love her. We don't love her boyfriend because he's doing weird things with money, we think. 
Yeah, he's like stealing her money. Like, where's her money going? It's he's buying drugs with it. I'm certain of it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty certain. And also, like, it really, I think I get really fired up about the Dave situation. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) Rogerson is the shittier boyfriend if we're comparing. But I get really fired up about the Dave situation because poor Corinna is hustling Mm -hmm. at Applebee's and I know that struggle and to steal her hard-earned money like the crap she had to put up with to get that money and then you go and take it to go buy drugs Dave nah get out of here we don't love it and my uh last relationship I was hustling at Universal Studios as a server and my partner was not working for years oh yeah and you know it's not fun it's not fun Mm -hmm. when that's the situation nope nope it's not that's what we call an unequal relationship folks and it's not a good time it's not a good time okay here we go here we go everyone buckle up it's a good time we're having a good time time. we're having fun we're smiling this is is it we have to talk about this for like a couple of hours today and then we just get to put it behind (laughs) yes we just get to say let's make some taylor swift playlists and then let's just put this guy in Let's the garbage. This, no, not the garbage. Not the garbage. Yeah, the- he doesn't. That's beautiful. No, it's not. Doesn't deserve the garbage. But it just deserves to collect dust on my bookshelf. Is what it does. Yeah, maybe someday I'll open it and do some, you know, flipping through. But I doubt it. Maybe. Um, <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe it's like a lesson. Anyway. True. Anywho, Zenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the skirt skirt of this, of this episode. That's the that's the joy we found. Shout out to today. my Midwestern boss. God, love love people from the Midwest. You know, they're they're great people. They say some really weird things and really fun accents, and it pleases me. Yes, they are nice. Wish they would give me a raise. <laughs> that would be even nicer. That, they that would be the nicest thing they could do. Chapter eleven. Uh, basically, we are diving on in here. She's saying how Caitlin is telling that she hasn't exactly per se told her mother that she's been kicked off the trailing squad. Um, right now, her mom is kind of distracted because Cass, well, when is her mom not distracted? But I know, Cass is kind of coming back into the picture. And there's this April Fool's party that they have every year with Boo and Stuart. Like her parents do it with them it's like a whole thing so she's so busy planning the party of the year that she Caitlin basically doesn't even have to explain what's going on in her life right now yeah yeah she says now it almost seemed like I was becoming invisible passing through the house in my long sleeves and jeans even as the weather heated up my eyes red regardless of visine hardly talking except to answer their standard queries how is school who won the game would you please pass potatoes (laughs) Oh my god, y'all. Can you pay attention to your 16-year-old daughter? Just, just a little bit. I would just really appreciate if you could just... <laughs> the tiniest, tiniest bit. Literally. Oh, man. Ugh, makes me sad. So we're talking a bit about her like photography class that she's in. Mm-hmm. And how she's kind of really gotten into photographing people and there's going to be this big showcase basically is the last thing that they're going to do at the end of the year. So she has been going around taking all of these pictures. Uh, She says that she took one of herself, um, which she has 
which is kind of buried deep down, you know, in her, her drawers because she doesn't want to have to look at it because she doesn't, you know, recognize kind of the person that she has become in that picture. There's also a really nice sounding picture of her sitting on Rogerson's lap, which is like, yeah, there's always that like five minutes of good time in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And then she finally, she's been avoiding Cass's phone calls because she keeps saying mm-hmm. that, you know, she can hide her very best from everyone else in her life, but she thinks that Cass will see right through her. And unfortunately she finally is the one that's home. Her parents are kind of not by the phone and she's finally around to be the person who answers the phone. And basically she just doesn't talk to her because she knows that she won't be able to. And then Cass is kind of like, I'm sorry. Like, I understand if you're mad at me, but I just had to get away. And part of me is like, yeah, thanks, Cass, actually, for finally acknowledging the fact that you kind of screwed over your sister and all of this. But the other part of me, obviously, is aware that the reason she is not talking to Cass more has to do with her being afraid of the truth coming out than the fact that she is actually mad at her. But also, I think she has every right to be a little bit pissed at her. Yeah. To be fair. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's such a tricky situation because it's like, but is it a tricky situation though because it's like you could have left on like any other day you left on her 16th birthday which is like just waited one day just just wait one day and then i mean she still would have had to deal with the backlash and the the cleaning up Cass's mess essentially but at least it would have started about it Yeah, something about it is just salt in the wound to have done it on your sister's 16th birthday. Like, that to me is just absolutely not not cool. But yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter when she would have left, it would have probably screwed over Caitlin. Also, part of me is just like, I get, I truly do sympathize with Cass and what she's going through. And I understand why she kind of had to make it a clean break. But I also was like, why couldn't you just sit down? Mm. And be honest with your parents and be like, I don't want to go to Yale. I'm going to go to New York. If I'd like to stay in your life and I'd like to stay in my sister's life, if you guys are going to be so disappointed in me that you want to cut me off, because it sounds like her parents, you know, they're not thrilled that she disregarded Yale and is working for the Lamont Whipper show, but it seems like they just want their daughter in their life. So I think there could have been a better way to go about this, but when you are, again, I'm saying that as someone who is a 31-year-old woman who's sitting here thinking about it rationally, when you are an 18-year-old girl and you feel like you're trapped and whatever, I'm sure you're not thinking about it rationally, but... And, like... Yeah. Or, alternatively, if you didn't want to tell your parents because you didn't want to hear what they had to say because they could easily talk you back into the life you hate or whatever, and you just need a clean break... Why couldn't you have told Caitlin? Like, why couldn't right. you have sat Caitlin down and been like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Don't tell mom and dad. I'm right. sure that that would have been fine. And then at least, first of all, one of them would know where she is. And mm-hmm. secondly, Caitlin wouldn't be so shell-shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand, like, why she couldn't have talked to Caitlin about it, I guess. That's yeah. very true. The parents, it's like, okay, yeah, I, I can see that, especially being that perfect daughter syndrome and being 18 and you're not thinking in your right mind when you're 18 and whatever. But I'm like, could have talked to your sister, could have kept her in the loop. Jesus. Right. Huh. But <clears throat> we see the mom. So we know that Caitlin was probably, I mean, Katz was probably losing her mind. Mm-hmm. But 
Yep. Caitlin hangs up on Cash. She doesn't say anything to her because she just can't. She says, um, I turned away from the window, looking down the stairs and out the front door, trying to picture her making that walk away from this. It seemed like so far, and I was so tired, tired of keeping time, of studying faces, of hiding bruises, of disappearing bit by bit while my world kept going without me, even as I slipped further beneath the water, drowning. Yep. She's starting to, like, really just be so beat down physically and, I mean, uh, figuratively and literally. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I remember that feeling of just being like, oh, my God, okay. Sure. Another thing. Great. Yeah. She says here at the top of page 189 that there were some times that she feels bad for Rogerson in a sense. And, you know, she says here um, and that, that I saw something flash across Rogerson's face. Like he couldn't believe what he'd done. Like he just woken up and found himself standing over me, fist still clenched, looking down in disbelief at the place on my shoulder, arm, stomach, back, leg, where he'd just hit me. I wondered if he was thinking of his father and the marks he'd left behind. And even as I felt the spot with my own fingers, knowing already what the bruise would look like, I felt sorry for him. Like for that mm-hmm. one second, he was just as scared as I was. It was so strange. Sorry for him. And I do feel like mm-hmm. in a lot of abusive relationships, there is that, again, because you have to kind of see it from their side. And again, because they are always so sorry afterward. And like, she's kind of mentioned so gentle with her that it's almost like in her mind, she's thinking of them as two different people. Like, like she says that yeah. Robertson is like, he had just woken up and been like, Oh God, how did I get here? How did I hit you? And so she can't rationalize the Rogerson that's so sweet to her with that person. So it's almost like she has to say that they're two different people and she feels sorry for the one who wakes up and it has just hit her essentially. Yeah. And that, like that's just so heartbreaking but that is like that's what makes you stay is in your mind you can't fathom how the person who is so sweet to you is also the person who can do such terrible things to you right and she's like i know his dad hits him so it's like she has that other level of feeling bad for him because he's also abused she's Mm -hmm. like basically thinking like this it really isn't his fault um but it is so but it is, unfortunately. <laughs> it it is. But I can see how she could rationalize in her own mind mm-hmm. how it isn't. So right. yeah, we're getting into the last weekend of March. So we've kind of we're officially entering spring. We're getting closer to the Fool's Day party when her mom comes in and she <laughs> goes into this whole rant about how she hasn't been wearing color and for a hot second, Caitlin thinks that she's been like got right. That she's been like found out. She's like, Oh mm-hmm. God. Like my mom is saying like, Caitlin, something's been different about you. And she's like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. And it's not that it's <laughs> the fact that she's like not wearing color. She's like, I've been worried about you. And she's, you know, she's got her defenses raised. She's ready. But yeah, she was like, there's, you know, there's some things a mother can't help but notice. So she's saying all these things that sounds like she's really maybe finally locked in on it. And it's like, no. Also, I had to highlight the fact that um, her mom went to Belt's department store because I was like, oh, yeah, that's so Southeast. (laughs) I was like, yeah, Belt. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's where my mother-in-law shops. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, she's just like, um, I'm concerned, she repeated, that you seem to have completely abandoned primary colors. That's her concern. So she, like, comes into her room, has this whole, like, a mother just knows things speech, and Caitlin is so certain that she knows about the abuse. And nope, it's just that she's wearing, I don't know, she isn't wearing colors. That's it. Which, that's, like, that's what it is. Just take a step farther here, lady. Just take one little step farther. Little step. And just think a little deeper. Uh, but you know, she buys her a fucking dress and she's like, yeah, yeah. wear this dress. It's beautiful. Um, also, in, before this happens, um, Caitlin goes to Corinna's house and they're fighting about the money being d- disappeared. Mm-hmm. That was a weird way to phrase that, but you know what? I, you guys know what I mean. <laughs> um, and he says, well, Corinna, I'm sorry. I'm such a failure to you. I guess your mom is right, huh? And I wrote, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Oh, did you want sympathy there, Dave? Because you ain't going to get it from <laughs> nope. me. Zero. You're stealing money from me? Yeah. Fuck you. Go back to sleep. Uh... Okay. Yeah. And then Caitlin says, you know, Caitlin's almost disappointed that her mom isn't seeing what's happening to her, which, of course, you know, of course she feels that way. Um, and, but she says here on page 194, I looked at her hard right in her eyes and dared her in that one second to see something else in me, not the bruises, which I could hide well, or the shame, which I hid better, but something else at the very heart of me that she should have seen from miles and miles away. And she doesn't. Yep. <laughs> She's like, here's this dress. I also had that part highlighted because, yeah, I was like, yes, exactly. Like, she just wants, she keeps saying she feels invisible. Like, she just wants to be seen. And, yeah, instead she's just like, I brought you this beautiful dress. Why don't you wear this? Yeah. Wear some colors. And you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, great. Thanks. Thanks, mom. I'm being abused, but thanks for the dress. <laughs> really appreciate it. And then this chapter ends with they're setting up the tent for the party. And Caitlin, you know, says that she's out in the backyard kind of watching them set it up. And then she hears a familiar rumbling and she knows, of course, that it's Rogerson coming, waiting for her because he's always there lurking around the corner, waiting for her. (sighs) Yep. Yes, he is. He is. Chapter 12. We've made it through another one. There we go, guys. (laughs) Close, guys. We've got this. We only have a handful more chapters. Alrighty. So, um, this is where things really pick up. Um, So, it's the day of the fool's party, and Rena shows up at Caitlin's house, and she's like, I'm taking you out. And Caitlin is like freaking out. She's like, No, I can't. I have to be here. I told Rogerson I'd be here. I need to be here. Like, absolutely losing her mind, getting more and more stressed out. And Rena's like, just not seeing it, not acknowledging it. Um, basically, just acting like she's a girl obsessed with her boyfriend, where it's like, I feel like you should, again, like, it's like, just look a little closer at the one, situation. One step. <laughs> like, one step closer. Why both, is she so stressed? Both her mom and Rena, like, in this chapter, in the beginning of this chapter, it's like Rena's like oh you never hang out with me anymore and her mom's like yeah no like go hang out with your girlfriend like both of them acknowledge the fact that she's not hanging out with Rena but yeah they can't like take that next step and be like well why and why are you seeming so stressed about missing time with your boyfriend yeah and I I guess it's just because if you're Rena 
in your arena brain where she's like boy obsessed and whatever she she thinks that yeah i guess it's just the normal like oh started dating this guy now you don't have time for your friends and you're just obsessed with him and it's like but you'd have to like know your friend and know like no like this doesn't track there's got to be something more to this so it's like this entire chapter yeah i was just so frustrated so i'm like both of you are so on the cusp of it like rena's kind of seeing things but she just can't quite put the pieces together to like fully get there and it just Mm. (laughs) Mm mm-hmm yeah, and at, on page 201 here, she's like, her mom's like, Caitlin, you could use some color. You've been really pale. It's like, that's that's what she, oh that's what she. Uh, but they make uh, her put on the dress um, that her mom bought her. It's like a sleeveless, I think. So she has to wear a jacket because she has bruises all over herself. And her mom's like, let me see the dress. Let me see the dress. Take your jacket off. It's fine. And Caitlin kind of snaps and she's like, do not take this jacket off of me. And then they all kind of look at her like, oh, that was weird. Yep. Then they go. And she says here that while they're driving away, she says, but all I could do was feel my dread building as I watched the road whisk by in the side mirror, miles and miles of it. It's one taking me farther from home. Yeah, this this whole bit. Part of me was like. Yeah, go with Rena. Like, you do need a girl's day. And then just, yeah, the whole thing with the dress and her mom and just the anxiety that Caitlin clearly has over knowing, like, oh, God, Rogerson's going to be looking for me. She's, before they leave, she's, like, trying to call him, can't get an answer. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he has an answering machine. And so she's like, well, I'll call Corinna. It's like, maybe he's over there. Like, she is trying her damnedest to, like, let him know where she is. And, yeah, it, ugh. It's like everything's working against her. And she's yeah. like, she's like, oh my God, I just need to tell him where I am. And he's nowhere. Oh. Um, and then they happen to pass Corinna's house. So uh, in another effort to try and get in touch with Rogerson, she makes Rena bring her to Corinna's house. But when she goes inside, she realizes that a bunch of stuff is gone. Mm-hmm. Basically everything that makes it a home, I'd say, is gone. Um and then this is when she finds out that Corinna has left. She left Dave. She left everyone. And she's gone. And um, Caitlin says, all this time, Corinna had been the only one who just took me as I was, not caring about whether I wore primary colors or stuck with cheerleading or spent too much time with Rogerson. And now she was gone. And she, it's like she's being abandoned by Cass all over again. Yep. Yeah. I was like, oh, why do people? And again, I 100% understand why both of them left. Like, yeah. Cass definitely needs to get out of the situation. Corinna, for sure, needs to get out of the situation. And I'm, like, proud of her for following her dream. But I'm just so annoyed at both of them for not talking to Caitlin. Like, you know mm-hmm. both of them had to have this planned out in their mind. And why couldn't you have just been? Which Corinna does touch on. We'll get to that in a little bit. But still, I was just like... Oh, like you were her one like hope right. in all of this, and now you're gone too, and she's just so alone, and it just makes me really sad. She does take her bracelets, the silver bracelets that she calls like her, so Corinna, like her theme music, basically when they like mm-hmm. jingle along. She also, takes those. Dave like hits on her, I think. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's the vibe I was picking up, and she, when she's all like, because he's like, "Oh, do you want to smoke a bowl or something?" And she's like, "Oh no, like I got it." I mean, her friend is waiting outside. So she's like, "I've got a friend waiting outside," and he's like, "She can come in too." Like your girlfriend just left, and you're already like hitting on this younger girl and child. 
like friend like oh babe you creep a child yeah he's all like come back later i'll be here okay and it's like no mm-hmm. i'm gonna pass thanks big yeah. pass gross gross dave good luck with the house i wish that corinna took mingus though i will say I know. I was sad that Mingus was left behind. I was like, you know Dave's not going to take care of that dog. Like, I know. He wouldn't even bring him to the vet. It, you know what? I don't want to actually talk about Mingus because I'm going to get too upset. Yeah. Moving on from Mingus. Moving on. Moving on from poor Mingus who hopefully is doing okay. Hopefully. So yeah, they go out to Rena's uh, lake house for one of her, her stepdad number three's lake house or his stepdad number two. I can't even... Not even sure, but one of the stepdads' lake houses, and again, it's like she's kind of on the cusp of being like, "Hey, you're definitely different," but she can't really figure it out. And you know, she wants to sunbathe, and she's drinking beer, and then her creepy older Jeff guy shows up, and basically the entire time, Caitlin is just freaking out, and she's sitting with, like, the cordless phone in a jacket outside sweating because, again, she doesn't want anyone to see her bruises. Um, mm-hmm. She says here, for two hours, I felt myself stretching tighter and tighter, like a rubber band pulled to the point of snapping. And now I could feel the smaller, weaker parts of myself beginning to fray, tiny bits giving way before the big break. And, yeah, you can just – she is just so, like – she can't relax and have a girl's day because the entire time she is just terrified that Rogerson is out there waiting for her, annoyed that he doesn't know where she is. Right. She's like, I can, I know he's looking for me. I know he's like getting madder and madder and she's getting so scared. She says, Rena, I said, feeling panic rising and rising in me higher and higher. Even as I tried to squash it down, I've been circling like this madly for over an hour, like an animal about to nod its own leg off to get free. And Rena's like, she's been like this all day. Can you believe this? Rena, Rena, baby, baby girl, baby, honey, honey, baby girl. Why has she been like this all day? Mm-hmm. Does it seem normal to you? Uh. Let's put those pieces together, my guy. Like, I love that she's like annoyed at Caitlin, kind I of. Know. Oh, God. It's like, I don't really mean this. Instead of being like, Something is clearly very deeply wrong. Like, this isn't normal to be this upset that you can't get in contact with your boyfriend to let him know where you are. Yeah, she's just like, right. oh, God. And she's like, Caitlin, she's like, give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, oh, just one of us. My girl. Girl, come on, come on, come on. It's like, it's right in front of your face. And like, her friend is full of anxiety, like, clearly having like a freaking panic attack. And it's like, wouldn't you like look at your friend? I mean, I know that Rena's like 16 and like this is like, a, right. you know, that's part of the problem. We're 30. I'm yes. almost 31. Wow. And she is 16. So it's like we're double her age. But like, right. Wouldn't you sit and be like, wait a second. Girl, what's wrong? Like, are you OK? Like, at least soften your tone to try to be like can I help you in some way but then you know and now I'm sitting here like thinking about myself at 16 and I'm like (laughs) (laughs) you're like what has has been any better and it is again the parents I feel like should be better because they are grown adults and should be better at this but I do understand which it does get touched on a little bit at the end of the book like you can't place blame on anyone except for Rogerson. Like right. at the end of the day, you know, yes, we are shitting on the parents and her friends for 
wish we could have been a little bit better. But at the end of the day, the only person who is at fault is Rogerson. And like that yeah. is important and a clear distinction to make. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think like, would I have been any better at 16 if my friend was going through something like this? I hope so. But hindsight is 2020. It's a lot easier for me to say now as a, a, an adult with a functioning brain than right. <laughs> a teenager with a not functioning brain. Not so you mean to teenagers, but just, you know, your brains, they're not functioning yet. They're, and not, they're not developed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and plus, it's like also, you know, you're 16. You're in no way when you're 16 and you're just living your little 16 year old girl life, are you thinking like my friend could get beat up by her boyfriend? Yeah. Like that kind of like stark reality is just not in your mm-hmm. head yet. And even oh, yeah. if like, I remember there was like a rumor about one of my friends um, hitting his girlfriend. It was just like a rumor. Nobody had any confirmation. And it was like, and I remember all of us just like, we couldn't even comprehend the like idea that he could have done that. We were like, yeah. Everybody, like, it wasn't like we were saying she was lying or, or whoever said it. I don't even think it was her that said it. It was lying, but we were just, like, could not even grasp the concept. And I think that's probably where she's at. She's just, like, that, that's not even on my radar. It's not right. even on my radar. It's impossible. And I think people very incorrectly think, hey, if something was really bad was happening with my friend, they would tell me. Like, if they were getting hit by their yeah. boyfriend, they would tell me. When... They 100% wouldn't, but in your minds, again, in your, like, little teenage brain, you think, like, oh, if something ever, like, really bad was happening with someone, like, they'd let me know, right? And so you don't even think to ask the questions you need to be asking because you're thinking, oh, they would tell me. But, yeah, I just think, I get so frustrated with these people. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's easier from the outside looking in to cast judgment than if you were actually dealing with it. So I get it, I guess. I get it. But anyway, Caitlin ends up just being like, all right, I'm walking. I'm walking home. Which again, Rena's all like, I've been drinking. I can't drive. Which this I will blame Rena for. Even if you don't know about her dickhead abusive boyfriend, you did promise her that you would have her back by 630. Yeah. And now you're going back on that. So just like, I don't know, just common courtesy as a human being. I'm going to judge you for that. You're like, girls stay. Let's hang out together yeah. as girls. And then your creepy older boyfriend comes over and is like, mm-hmm. I'm going to invite my friends over and we're going to have a cookout. I'd be like, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I wanted. This is actually not at all what I signed up for. She, she didn't want any of it. She certainly didn't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now she's just off walking. And Jeff, who knew Jeff would be like the MVP of this chapter? But he actually steps up and follows her and is like, yeah, I'm not going to let you like get in the car. I'll drive you. Like, sorry about Rena. She's just, you know, Rena. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I was like, well, I'll, I'll give it to Jeff. I still think that you're... Um, a little bit of a pedophile because you're dating someone much younger than you. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you're dating a literal child. But I'm gonna. You're enough of a gentleman that you won't let a girl walk miles to her house. So I'll, yeah, I'll I appreciate that. that I guess the bare minimum is what Jeff just provided. Thank you, yes. Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Um, the bar is on the ground, on but the- at least you were able. At least you met the across the, the fucking bar on the ground. At least you were able to hop over it. Oh, God. <sighs> Jesus. Anyway. Really. So she gets home. She's freaking out the whole drive. She gets home 
And you can feel how anxious she is when Jeff is like lingering. Like Jeff is like, oh, a party. Like he's just being a friendly guy. And right. um, she's like, okay, go go away. Because she's like, if Rogerson sees you, like this is going to mm-hmm. be a shit show. This is not going to end well for me. So deep breath before we get into this one. Mm. Here we go. So she sees Rogerson's car. She gets in. And immediately, before she can even say anything, um, he hits her. Um, Her door hadn't shut completely, so it fell open a little bit. He kind of keeps yelling at her and hitting her, and she falls out of the the car. Um, And eventually, they make it to the grass. She slid down out of his grasp and, and got into the grass and kind of gets into, like, the fetal position. Mm. And at this point, she's she's having a, a she's having a breakdown. She's like, I'm I can't move. Like I'm I'm just gonna stay on this little thing. I'm just gonna stay on the ground in the fetal position. Um, he's like kicking her. He's like, get up, get up. But just how ballsy do you have to be? Like you were in front of her house, and you know that her parents. Like he's at that point where he doesn't even care because again, you know, she said like for a while her face was off limits. He was trying to, and the second she gets in the car slap right across the face, they're literally right out in her front yard and he is just attacking her. And like, yeah, that is how far gone he is at that point that he, like, he doesn't give a damn basically if he gets caught or whatever, like he's going to make her pay. And that's just like, that's super, I mean, all of it, super scary and terrible but it's like in this moment where you realize and like that's why she basically is just like in the fetal position trying to protect herself as much as you can because you realize like it is so life and death in this moment because clearly he has like he doesn't give a damn anymore and like you know if if no one comes and interrupts like it's not like yeah just yeah yeah Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, this is a tricky scene to even talk. Like, I am myself am, like, blocking this out of my brain. And I'm like, okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> but basically, uh, somebody sees them. And... Yeah. Um, Thank God. Yes. And her mom runs outside and is, like, screaming at him. And, and somebody has called the cops. And Rogerson actually gets arrested, which I find very interesting because that... Um, doesn't typically happen. Yeah. Um, you know, it's that that classic, we can't do anything until he kills you kind of thing. Yeah, um, you know, that one. You know, the justice system in America. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you, is he literally standing with bloodied knuckles while you have a completely bruised up face? Oh, but did he kill you? Mm, can't do anything. Can't, it's just a domestic dispute. He's stalking you and threatening you? Mm it's been months Mm, sorry once he uh tries your life give us a call we don't want to ruin his future do Mm -mm. we no he has so much promise so So much much promise promise. he could he could go on to be someone great we don't want to screw that up so sorry Mm -hmm. just have to wait till he kills you then we'll put you on a pedestal and be like oh the sweet angel what could have what could we have done oh i don't know arrested him earlier maybe i don't know done literally any the do Anything. 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 Again. What you could have done. Again, it is 
on the ground. The bar is on the floor. Yep. For what we can do for domestic violence uh, victims, it's on the floor. And you know what? what? Still can't get over it. We're just kicking it. We just kick it farther and farther. And then we're like, oh, this man killed his entire family. That's crazy. That's so crazy. How, How could, we could have, have done something in this town? How could that wow. happen? The shock. What a nice white family. Look at this beautiful family photo. I can't mm-hmm. believe. No, Ugh. we would have never. Oh, I, really? Interesting. Yeah. Shockingly. And this is how you know this is fiction, is because he got arrested. <laughs> and this is how you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I will uh, say, I was very happy, yeah, that he did. I was like, okay, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there she is. Everyone, obviously, is now super aware, because it was the yeah. party. The party has been broken up. Boo is there. Stuart's there. Her mom, her dad. Her mom is just crying and, and not knowing where to touch her, because, you know, she says she everywhere... She's hurt, you know, there's nowhere to touch her that won't hurt her. And yeah, then I can't imagine that feeling either. Like, I can't imagine having a little party and looking outside and seeing my daughter getting beat up by her boyfriend. Like, yeah. I, I, she must have been like, and then of course, you know, she's doing what we've been doing this whole book, probably being like, how did I not see this? How did I not step right. in? Like, you know, she's probably beating herself up as much as we beat her up while reading this. Um, and I can't imagine what she's thinking. Like, she's probably like, oh, my God, like, you know, overwhelmed. Um, and on the at the end of this chapter here on page 218, Caitlin is saying, and all the while my mother was crouching over me, her voice steady, rocking me back and forth like she had the day Cass had cut my eye, saying everything would be all right. I couldn't even tell her I was sorry. I was worn out, broken. He had taken almost everything, but he had been all I'd had all this time. And when the police led him away, I pulled out of the hands of all those loved ones, sobbing, screaming, everything hurting to try and make him stay. Yep. I just wrote, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that pretty much sums it up. And you you have to know. Yeah, it's like there she was literally in the fetal position, just hoping that she wouldn't be killed, essentially. And then two minutes later, the cops show up, everyone's surrounding her, everyone's panicking, and all she wants is him to stay. And it's like, yeah, yeah, but that's how it works. And yeah. very unfortunately, that is, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. They beat you down so much that you don't care about yourself at all. You know, this yeah. it's all about them. And it's all about what they want and how they are. And seeing him getting arrested was probably horrifying. Because, yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's going to be his life. I mean, he's also an adult. I'm pretty sure. I think he's like 18 or 19. So, right. So he actually, yeah. Oh, crazy. But he does have rich parents and he is white. Yeah. So, so like he's probably getting out a slap on the wrist. Yeah. He'll probably be just fine. Well, we That's see fine. what happens to him actually at the yeah. end of this. But anyway, so now we are on part three titled me. Finally, thirteen. Yeah, we're finally. I want to be like, well, lighter, but not really lighter. (laughs) But at least we've gotten through chapter twelve, which is definitely the most pit and stomach anxiety-inducing bit. So, yeah, here we are, chapter thirteen. Me, she's staying at this place, uh, which is called the Evergreen Care Center, ever since Fool's Day. This part. 
I do find like a little funny. She's technically in there for drugs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weed and it's like it's not an addictive but you know what I'm saying yeah. Yeah, but yeah. you know she's really in there because of Roger Sanders is what she said it's like her entrance was because drugs but like really it's because of the right. abusive relationship so yeah she's staying in this place she has a roommate named Ginger who uh, very sadly seems like Ginger's been there for a while and that breaks yeah. my heart she's bulimic and it seems like she's She's struggling to get better, but I pray for her that she does. And she tells this story about when her and Cass were, like, younger. They used to see commercials for it all the time. And it, what is the, yeah, so we can't, we can't heal you at Evergreen, the ever somber voice said, but we can help you to heal yourself. And so they would do things like the toothpaste, you know, when they're brushing their teeth at night, I can't hand you the toothpaste, but I can help you hand the toothpaste to yourself, which I did think was just kind of a funny little bit. But, Mm -hmm. you know, she's kind of saying like, oh, like growing up, I made fun of this place and now here I am. But I'm happy that you're getting help, Caitlin. So it's good that you're here. So yeah, this is where she's like, technically it was admitted for drugs. Uh, but everyone knew the bruises Rogerson when I had let happen to me was the other reason I was here. Um, Ginger says that, so it's Wednesday, which is one of the days that there's visitors and Ginger says that she, um, like she's jealous because Caitlin always gets visitors and Caitlin admits that like, that's what makes her different. She's like, everyone else here has issues with drugs or issues with something like abuse or other, you know, self-harm and whatnot. The one thing that makes me different is I have visitors every time. So yeah, it is nice crazy. that she is cared for. That's sad for everyone else. though. Yeah. But then that just makes me really sad for everyone else. I'm sad like, that Ginger has been in this care facility for as long as she has and that apparently no one comes and sees her and i'm like bless ginger i'm gonna come i'll come visit you i know you're a fictional character it's like but still i'm sad for you it's hard to go to those places and visit someone you love in them like that that is very challenging but it's like but it's not about you yeah at that point you know like it's not about you it's about them you need to go support them show them that they're still loved and and um you know is it fun no, yeah. but life's not fun. So yeah, Un- um, unfortunately, <laughs> life's tough. Get a helmet. That's what Boy Meets World taught me. And exactly. boy, is that valuable life, life lesson right there. You know what else Boy Meets World taught me? Go to Harvard. Don't stay in your stupid little hometown for some stupid boy. Yeah. God, so dumb. God damn it, Topanga. Topanga. What the hell? <laughs> Jesus. But anyway, um. I also want to. I also want to circle back, as we would say in the corporate industry. Um, circle on back. Let's circle on back to when she says, "But everyone knew the bruises, Rogerson. What I had let happen to me. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's still blaming herself. What I had let happen to me. Like again, yep. everybody listening, it's not what you let happen to you. This is something that happened to you at the hands yep. of someone else. This is not your fault." And just remember that every day. Remind yourself. Damn straight. Yeah. She's definitely still in the the early stages of healing. She mm-hmm. says, she talks about how she 
cried for like two days straight. Um, she says, but mostly I cried because my life had been going full speed for so long and now it had just stopped, like running right into a big brick wall, knocking the wind and the fight right out of me. And I didn't know if I ever wanted to get up and start breathing again. And it's like, oh, mm. that's <sighs> terrible. But yeah, yeah, I think this is, she talks about Dr. Marshall going to see her and the, the Jolly Ranchers and you know how much you have to talk about yourself. There's group therapy, individual therapy, all that stuff. Ginger doesn't seem to be the biggest fan of that. She says she's tired of, of herself, but Kaylin is saying that, you know, it is, it has been helping her. Um, she's, you know, the first session was kind of hard, but she's kind of getting there. And she does kind of talk about that uh, with Dr. Marshall about how, you know, like she's like, I don't know why, but I, I miss him essentially and dr marshall's like yeah like that's unfortunately going to be you know like that's okay like that is totally normal so yeah. that just um i do i like this this therapist she seems pretty good i like some of the the things she had to say but we we're yeah. talking about the um the visits here and how her her mother came uh, she brought the the dream journal. She didn't even know. She's like, I don't know if she read it or if she knows what it is. But she does notice that the photos that she had tucked into it, all the ones of Rogerson hasn't taken out. So she at least looked through it for that purpose. Yep. Yeah. And inside inside of the dream journal are some of her photos she's taken. Um, one of them being that um, selfie, I guess. 2000, 2000 selfie. Mm -hmm. Um and you know she's here's the here it is um she was standing in front of the mirror the camera held at her stomach um and you can make out a gray thumb-shaped spot at the base of my neck um she's skinny she's pale she says i sat on my bed at evergreen and looked at that picture for a long long time i hated the girl i saw there and she didn't even care didn't know, just staring out, oblivious. She spent her whole life wanting to be someone else, something else, and it had gotten her nowhere. I wanted to reach through the mirror and shake her, wake her up, but I was too late now. So, yeah, that's that that part hit me hard. I was like, wow, that yeah. is really talking to me, um, even now as as bit my age. Um, and so she wraps the picture up into a tiny million pieces. Yep. And is about to throw it away, but then something stops her and she kind of like picks them all up and, and tucks them in a drawer. Yeah. And we'll re we'll be revisiting them at some point. Uh she talks about her mom, this part again, kind of in how we were saying her mom's probably sitting there blaming herself, which the next bit is kind of about how everyone that comes to visit, the first thing they do is apologize and blame themselves because now everyone is going, Oh God, I should have seen it. And she yeah. says here, which going back to the thing, kind of like when she said what I had let happen to me, she says here, uh, when her mom is saying, you know, I'm, I'm sorry and whatever. And she says, it hadn't even occurred to me that someone else might think to take the blame. It's just like, oof. And then I did like this part, which again is kind of, okay, you know, we're, we're seeing some shades of healing going on here, she says. But of course now it was simple to trace back and find so many places each of us could have done better. But after my two-day crying jag, I was just wasn't interested in blaming anyone else. I needed my family and friends now, and sometimes calling a draw seemed like the way to finally let it rest. 
which mm-hmm. is fair, which it's kind of like you're going to let it rest and then you're going to go back to it. And then you're gonna, it's not, you know, the, right. the healing process isn't linear. So there will be some some missteps. But I like what she says, like, I need my family and friends like now more than ever. So me sitting here and blaming them and being upset and them blaming themselves like that's not going to help anyone. Like she does very much need a support system right now. And yeah, like her being like, yeah, mom, why didn't you notice? But you noticed that I wasn't wearing primary colors isn't going to help anyone. Exactly. So, you know, so I'm glad that she does uh, have visitors and she has, you know, people coming to care for her. Yeah. Even though obviously everyone is feeling very guilty and very awkward and kind of touching on what you were saying, how like it's it's not about you and it's not a fun time. Like her dad brings card games the first time because I think he like doesn't know what to do. And she's like, okay, yeah, we'll play. And then it it kind of becomes something she looks forward to every week, like the, what different games they yeah. can play and, and whatnot. So they find their way through the the awkwardness and she kind of starts talking to her mom first about heavy stuff and then just catching up on life stuff. And, yeah. you know, that's that's nice. It is nice. Um, yeah, she says that her dad... Um, is the one who's kind of like taken over the logistics of everything. So he's been dealing with the insurance company, um, making arrangements, explaining to the DA that no, she's not going to testify. Um, so there's a trial, which is yeah. interesting. Um, again, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe sometimes that does happen. I don't know. <laughs> Every um, once in a blue moon, we get a win. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so. Um, yeah, geez. Even though, like, I was uh, hit in the face with a beer bottle at a party when I was in high school. And even that, they were like, they talked me out of taking him to trial because they were like, maybe we should just do like a plea deal. It'd be really hard on everyone. Always the with that the the which I understand why plea deals are a thing overall in the justice system I do but like yeah it's always like oh like they always pin it on like they're thinking about you and it's like no you're not like like we don't want to make you go through that like the trial's gonna be long and wouldn't it be easier and it's like no like I would yeah is it gonna be a fun time for me no but like I would actually like justice to be served so like I'm willing to do it you know but yeah it's always like yeah like we're we're thinking of you here and it's like are you no you're thinking about the money it's gonna cost to take this to trial and how you don't want to spend it (laughs) Yeah, I remember I let everybody talk me out of it, too. I was like, okay, fine. But I wish I did not. Because the punishment he got was irrelevant. He just he was like on probation, had to get drug tested. But like, I found him on Facebook and he was doing drugs and drinking anyway. So it's like you didn't even you didn't even get any sort of punishment, really. I mean, who knows what that guy's life is like now? Hopefully terrible. But um yeah, like, what? What? Yeah. It's always, we're looking out for your best interest, and it's like, yeah. okay. Yeah, they were Spare like, Jan. they were like, do you want to sit on the stand? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, actually, do. I would like to, <laughs> 100%. Actually, it's like my constitutional right to yeah. stand. So. Oh, the founding fathers were really into that, okay? <laughs> yeah, I was like, actually, I what? Yeah, uh, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, 
Yeah. So everyone comes and visits her and it's really sweet. I love that. They all like that her mom like makes a schedule. So they all know when they're visiting her. And I think that's really nice. And this is where I will say, and we're getting to chapter 14 where there are some letters and then chapter 15. So, but just saying, if you've only read so far up to chapter 13, I'm like, oh yeah, how nice. Everyone's coming to visit her. I'm like, I'm so happy she has a support system and her therapist seems great. And like, this is so great. Like, I'm happy she's getting help. But I'm also like, listen, Cass. Yo, where is Cass? Cassandra, why the hell aren't you visiting your sister? Like, what? What? Beverly, no. it, just, it frosts my flakes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it frosts my flakes. <laughs> I, I love that saying, first of all. Um, and <laughs> second of all, yeah, I kept being like, okay, at some point, Cass is going to show up and visit, right? Like, at some point, she's going to show point. up. Like, you're not in another country, Cass. You can drive from sense. frigging New York to North Carolina in, like, 14 hours, okay? Yeah. What are you very doing? Doable. What are you doing? Get in your fucking car. Oh, mm-hmm. my God. I, like, it, it's so, such a foreign concept to me. Such a foreign yeah. concept to me that you I wouldn't immediately I, go there. I cannot imagine. Like, I'm trying to think of if my sisters were in a situation like this or I was in a situation and like, I just can't, Mm. like, I can't fathom. Like, so the first night I was in my apartment for college, uh, my parents like helped me move in. And then they were like, okay, like we're going to go. And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I'm cool. Like I'm a strong, independent woman. And then they left and I'm just like putting things up in my closet and I'm making easy Mac. And I just started bawling because it was like, Oh, like, I, you know, as Sailor Swift once said, you're on your own kid. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. here I am, you know? And my sister lived just, my eldest sister, Megan lived like 10 minutes down the road in in another apartment. And so I called my mom crying and I was like, I thought it was fine for you to leave, but maybe I needed you to stay a couple more hours, but now you're like in the car and it's fine and you're hours away and you don't need to turn around and whatever. And so my mom called my sister Megan and my sister Megan started crying because like she was so upset that I was and it wasn't something nearly as big as this. It was just me being in my feelings because it was my first night away at college. And so she called me up and she's like, oh, my God, like, do you want to come over? Do you want me to come over? Like, do you need me? So like that is what I'm used to as like a little baby thing that I was upset about. My sister was beside herself. She was so upset that I was upset. And this is going on. And this girl <laughs> cannot get in a car and come see her sister. I was like, what? Who? Who? What? I know. <laughs> I, to me. It doesn't make any sense. Like there's been that I had a pretty bad year, freshman year of college. And my uncle drove, you know, up to handle the situation. Right. Like, what like yeah you what where are you like it just it doesn't it yeah that was it was frustrating i mean yeah it's frustrating yeah and the the way caitlin talks about Cass, i'm like they they they're close like they are close it's not like they're estranged they hate each other's sisters and so i'm just like that's wild to me but we'll touch on that in chapter 14 at least a letter is sent whatever Mm. (laughs) Yeah, which we'll fucking get there. But anyway, Rena shows up and she's like, I understand if you hate me. And, you know, that's that's a valid feeling. I think that Rena is probably looking back on that day and being like, oh, my God. Like, again, like what we were saying, like, Rena, girl, come on. Um, But Caitlin's like, you know what? No, you know, this is this is Rogerson. It's not you. 
let's just talk about like girl stuff. And so then they just chat and Caitlin kind of talks about how some days she had really good days and other days she just thought about Rogerson and she was just like upset and crying and, um, yeah, she was at Evergreen for a freaking like month. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Like seriously. She does say here at um the bottom of 233, I wouldn't blame my parents, Arena. I was even getting that much closer to not blaming myself. So it should have been easy to finally lift the heaviest of weights and place it squarely where it belonged on Rogerson. But this, even on the good days, was hard. After all that had happened, how could I miss him? But I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. But yeah. It'd That's, be like that, unfortunately. It'd be like that, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Sometimes you break up multiple times before you actually stop talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of my eldest sister, she had a very toxic relationship. And uh, he, yeah, there was, it was like, let's break up. Uh, this is bad. And then, you know, they were back together. And then my dad got so mad one night. Um, I get my temper from my father. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> just saying. and he got so mad one night because this guy came back over to like try to win my sister over for like the third time. And he was pissed and he like went into our kitchen and he like punched the cabinet. And I was like asleep during all this. Like I know this happened. But the next day I wake up and our cabinet is just like hanging off the hinges. And I go out and my mom's like, don't ask. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Heard. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, he was he was a real douche nozzle, which again, just proving like I grew up watching my sisters date guys and they were very good at like giving advice of like, you know, don't whatever. And I remember seeing that relationship and being like, I would never like and again, I didn't blame my sister. Like I knew it wasn't her fault. I knew it was this asshole's fault um, and that he would be sweet to her and then he'd woo her over and whatever. Yeah. Um, I didn't want her with him, but I understood how she fell back in in and out of a relationship with him. But I just remember thinking, like, I'm not going to let something like that happen to me. And then, like, that happened to me. So, again, just proving, yeah. like, it can happen to anyone, even if you, like, have an example of, like, a bad relationship and you're like, oh, God, I would never get in a relationship like that. And then you do. So, again, like, just, yeah, like, there's no, don't blame yourself that, or, you know, don't think that this person or I couldn't or this other person is better for me for not falling into it. Like no matter what yeah. happens, you're not, you don't know until you're in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's I not mean, on you. Yeah. It's not on you. As my former therapist said, they could be holding a sign up that says I've abused people. And you can, even if you enter a relationship yeah. with them, holding that sign is still not your fault. So still not your fault. don't even begin to blame yourself. Although that's very difficult to say. Yeah. Easier said than done. Yeah. 100 <laughs> try, try to be nicer to yourselves, I guess. If you want to get fired up and get mad at yourself, just put that anger at Cass for not visiting her sister. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Literally. I'm kidding, but like, am I kidding? Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm pretty fired up about it, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So chapter 14, here we go. Um... So she's been at Evergreen for less than a month when she gets two letters, one from Corinna and one from Cass. Um, 
mom is like, Cassie's been worried about you. And it's like, well, obviously not that worried. Obviously not that worried. Um, so we get Corinna's letter first. I love Corinna's letter. I think it's yeah. so nice. You know, she's like, I'm so sorry that I did this. You were such a good friend. Um, I wouldn't have made it through the winter without you. Um, I'm in California. I miss you so much. And I'll send an address when I land someplace for good. And it's a very nice letter. Um, yeah. And-, and I am happy that like Corinna is following her dream. Like I'm, I'm very yeah. happy for her. And yeah, it made me happy that she clearly really appreciated Caitlin just as much as Caitlin appreciated her and mm-hmm. wants to stay in touch. And yeah, the fact that she's like, I'll send a dress like, you know, um, and so she doesn't know. Happy. Right. Yeah. And she doesn't know the events that happened yeah. after she left. So, which I'm sure inevitably one day she will learn about. But yeah. Go, you go, Corinna. You go, girl. Yeah. You go you live go your girl. dream and leave Dave, who was stealing your money, behind. Yeah. Fuck Dave. Ugh, seriously. So then it takes her a little while to read Cass's letter, a couple days. Um, oh, which I do love that Dr. Marshall basically is like, yeah, you're allowed to be mad at your sister. Like, that's totally within your right. And I was like, yes, Dr. Marshall, I love you. <laughs> yes. She's like, yes. I love that as well. She's like, of course you can be mad at her. She uh, left you to deal with the fallout of her actions. Like, your sister's not perfect. And, yeah. and you know, that's that's what it is. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, because Caitlin is very worried. I guess that like this will make her look down on her because again she's doing that thing that's like, well, this wouldn't Cass wouldn't ever let this happen to her. And she's like, we've discussed quite a bit that being a victim does not make you weak. And then she's like, I know, which again, easier said than done. And then she's like, and from what you told me about your sister, she doesn't sound like the kind of person who would judge you that way. And then, you know, she's like, but she's perfect. And she's so then Dr. Marshall says, perfect people, she finally said, live in picket fence houses with golden retrievers and beautiful children. They always smell like fresh flowers and never step in doo-doo or bounce checks or cry. They also, she went on, don't run away with no explanation. They don't leave their families with questions that aren't answered and make their parents worry and leave their younger sister to try and hold on to everything together. And I was like, yep. Slow clap for Dr. Marshall, everyone. Slow clap. Yes. Yes, Dr. Marshall. And they, again, also, they also don't at, stay in New York while yeah. their sister's getting fucking yes. beat up in they rehab. come to rehab and check on their sister is what they do. It, that That's what a perfect person would do. And again, as we said, and I will reiterate, I 100% understand that Cass was going through something and she had every right to go and live her own life. But... She is clearly not a perfect person because she definitely screwed some people over <laughs> in trying to live her own life. Yep. And then she reads the letter, which sucks. Yeah. Like, right? Like, it sucks. does kind of <laughs> suck. Okay. Like, I was going to, like, try to be a little gentle on her because I feel like I was really going, like, hard on her. But, like, no, you're right. It does. It does just suck. <laughs> like, she's talking about herself the entire letter so she's like the like this letter would have made sense a week after she left not Mm -hmm. now you know now she's like you know she's explaining herself she's saying like i'm not perfect you used to think i was perfect but 
mom and dad's expectations were so heavy on me and you always had the freedom to do whatever you wanted, but I didn't have that freedom. I had to live up to what they wanted, which like, again, like Cass was going through something absolutely unbelievable. Trying to live up to anybody's expectations of you are, is so difficult and so draining, especially like, because you can't, you know, and I get it, you know, but at the same time, it's like, there's no mention. Like, she's like, I've been crying off and on ever since I heard what happened to you. Yeah. So again, like again, you've like been crying about you, like right. I've just been so distraught about this, and not like, dear God, I can't imagine how and, you are. And, even and like, she, like starts the letter, she's like, because she's like, I don't know where to start, and she says something about something about how like she regrets certain things, but she doesn't. It's like I regret leaving, I guess, because it kind of like all these bad things happen to you, but also like I don't kind of. Which, yeah, she's like, I don't regret I don't it. Know. She's like, I haven't been proud of myself, but I don't regret. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay, that's exactly. Yes. And you're like, like, Jesus. And it's like, okay, I get it. But also like, and then again, like, again, she doesn't mention anything. She just says that one line of I've been crying on and off, but you've always been able to make your own choices. Some of them are good and some of them are bad. And it's like, Cass, what? Really is kind of victim blamey, right? Yes. I was like what the fuck? Like, that's not a cool thing to say to someone who was just abused because that 100% makes it sound like you made the choice to get in this relationship and this is all your fault. And it's like, no, no, it is. Like, why would you say that? Also, it seems like she's almost like jealous. She's like, congrats, you got to decide to be with some dirtbag who beat you. I would have never been able to do that. Yeah, like, like, my life is so tough and you're just like, have the easiest life. Yeah, which again, this is very... William and Harry, air versus spare kind of talk. Mm. And it's like, shut up, mm-hmm. Will, basically. Mm-hmm. Shut up, Willie. Sometimes the spare does have it hard, okay? God. <laughs> Especially being referred to as the spare, the spare. his whole <laughs> fucking life. Like, are you, are you, are you joking? That doesn't give you some kind of, seriously. We should do a bonus therapy. episode on this. On that really, I think we have to. <laughs> I think we have to. <laughs> Bonus episode on the the Prince Harry memoir. It's coming. Okay, get excited. Get excited. Oh, um, yeah. I was just like, what a shitty thing to say to someone who just really went through something. Their cast, but okay. No. Yeah. I don't know. It, don't love that letter. Just saying. And she's like, remember how much your crazy sister loves you? It's like, what? Like, my sister bought me, like, one of those plaques that you put on the wall that's, like, a quote, and it says, like, yeah. My sister's crazy, but I love her or something fucking stupid like that. Not stupid. I love it. Thank you for it. Um, but you know, it's like one of those quotes and um right. and it's like that's like the same vibe. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just so like it's the same like, vibe. It's like a home oh. goods black. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> what? Like um, that's how you end your letter to your sister who is just been through hell. God. Like and uh yeah. So anyway, after she reads the letter, she starts to put her little picture together. Um, she says, you know, all along, my sister had been able to make out her vision of my present and future. I only wish she'd once turned her head and made me see it as well. So she's like, I wish my sister reached out to me and helped me and see my worth instead of just being focused on her. So... 
which seems like that's kind of the thing. She's kind of just focuses on herself. So she starts putting her, her picture back together, but she doesn't do it all at once. She doesn't do it all at once. Yeah. Dr. Marshall said I shouldn't expect to forget anything about Rogerson. And in a lot of ways, I didn't want to. So she's kind of talking about how um, she still dreams about him. She still thinks about him. Um, the worst dreams are not even about him. Like, the not even in them. It's always just, like, her mounting anxiety of trying to get someplace to meet him but not being able to, which is, yeah. I mean, yeah. Because that's, like, the moments where you're, like, I can take charge of this situation and I can avoid yeah. getting hit and I'm not able to help myself. And that that feeling is so unbelievably frustrating and um, it does stay with you. Also, I want Jolly Ranchers. God, I know. Yeah, the chef really does make me want a Jolly Rancher. She, like, talks about which flavor she's having and I'm like, shoot. I think we all deserve a Jolly Rancher after reading this one. Yeah. You know, Order yourself your Jolly, Rancher. Jolly Ranchers. Preach. She says, so she's like, why can't I just stop loving him basically is kind of like the, the trajectory she's going on. And Dr. Marshall says, it's not a switch. You can just flip off. If you didn't love him, this never would have happened, but you did. And accepting that love and everything that followed it is part of letting go. And that is yeah. a very important lesson. Like, you know, it's such a complicated feeling when you're abused, whether it's by a partner or a parent or anyone, um, accepting the fact that, you loved someone who could do something so horrible to you is part of the healing process. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, I think it is like, yeah, like I'm bad for loving them because they did these bad things. And it's like, no, like that's, you know, like you loved them and they did bad things to you. Like you can separate those two things and you're, you're not a bad person for loving them basically. Right. Right. She has a lot of like, if only. Yeah. So, you know, if I could have changed this, if only I had done this, if only I had done this. And, um, you know, that's that's a cycle you can easily get yourself into. But that's it's, you know, again, not your fault. So it looks like she's not, she doesn't write cast back at any point. Yeah. Which I wouldn't either. Honestly, show up or nothing. <laughs> show up or bust. Yeah. Show up or stay on the Lamont River show. <laughs> um, yeah, this is what she's talking about how Boo brought the camera and at first she wasn't sure if she wanted to take photos with it, but she has been, and then she gives Boo the film and Boo goes and develops bits for her and she's talking about the, you know, nice walks she's been taking with her mother and just, you know, the progress that she's making. She says, you know, with every Jolly Rancher visit, every craft completed, she's feeling like she's you know getting somewhere so to speak yeah and she talks about how when rena came um she just got to be a high school girl again forgetting the hospital and therapy and all the talking i was constantly doing about my issues which again like that you need that too like yeah, yeah. you you need the balance of you need the therapy and you need to go talk and you need to face your issues but you also i think need to you know self-care like let yourself off from dealing with all that for a little bit and read Cosmo and talk to her girlfriend about, you know, stupid gossip and whatever. Like both of those things are equally important. Yep. Yep. Exactly. 
this is how she also kind of finds out a little bit about Rodderson uh, and what has happened with him. So, yeah, his lawyer brokered a deal for the charges against him for hitting me. So he's spending the weekends in jail and doing a lot of community service at the animal shelter, cleaning out cages. Apparently he was staying with Dave and Mingus at the little yellow house and keeping a low profile. She bumped into him at the quick sip one night and he brushed right past and even looking her in the eye, which yeah, of course his lawyer brokered a deal because like we said, yeah. he's white and rich. So system yeah. worked in his favor. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And well, at least Dave found some none of the another person with money to rely on. Yeah, to, to mooch off of for a little <laughs> yeah. while longer. Uh, she says she wonders what'll happen if one day she happens to bump into Rogerson, saying how obviously that makes her pretty nervous. But um, that you know her her therapist is kind of going over that with her, talking about checks and balances, how she'll be safe how she wants her to feel safe when she's outside of uh when she finally leaves the the rehab facility um and then yeah she's says you know anytime she feels scared she takes out the picture that she's been slowly but surely like reassembling um but it was done i plan to hang it patchwork and piece together in my wallet home i put it with every other one i'd collected including that girl finally with all the faces of the people i loved which i thought yeah I thought that was so beautiful. Like, yeah. because she's like learning to love that version of herself that was right. abused and, and broken. And that is also such an important part of the healing process. Yes. 100%. Definitely. Like the most important thing I, you know, is yeah. Being mm-hmm. able to, to, to love yourself, but also, yeah, not just love the self, that's you now healing from it but the to love the person who was in that situation exactly yeah and that can be one of the hardest things oh yeah i would say yeah that's and i'm happy that and again you know she's she's working on it she's not there but i think that that's i'm very proud of her for for at least working on it because i think some people it takes years to even start that journey so the fact that she's at least already on the the road to it is is a good sign for for sure (sighs) guys we've almost done it chapter 15 15. and then we can just i don't know go do light fluffy things for a little bit yeah i'm gonna deep clean my kitchen oh that sounds so fun Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh i have like kind of a fun thing tonight but it's only because I have a very crazy day tomorrow. I have to be at work at 6 a.m. tomorrow, which is, I think, borderline torture. (laughs) Chapter 15 is when she's leaving the rehab. Um, She takes a second to, like, take a little picture of her um, view out of her window, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Um, And then she takes, oh, no, she doesn't take a picture of her view. She takes a picture of herself. I remember reading it and thinking, oh, she didn't take a picture of the view. Then she took a picture of herself. Yeah. Um, so she has like a second selfie to look at, like, you know, to compare. Um, she's got her, her broken person selfie and now she has her healed person or on her way to being a healed person. Yeah. She says that she looks so different from the day I'd arrived. I'd gained weight. My hair was longer my skin clear. I was wearing a red short sleeve t-shirt and my arms were tan from all those outside walks, clean and unbruised like any mm-hmm. other girls. Bless less so um they 
bring her to Boo and Stewart's house, and it ends up being kind of like a big surprise party where they have all of her photos up, um, like a gallery, because she missed that. That yeah. um, what's the, it called? The exhibit exhibition. The the exhibit. Crap! What was exhibit. the term? I think it's exhibit. Yeah, exhibition <laughs> is like a game. Compartmentalize. Carport. Time to mentalize your car parts, everyone. <laughs> Exhibit? Yeah, I don't know. The end of the year gallery thing that she was excited about that she missed. We're going to call it that. Because I can't remember the term. <laughs> so, she's, <laughs> so she's kind of standing around. She's like, wow, look at all my things. And then she starts, she says, like, you know, surrounded by all these people who love her and her paintings, she, like, kind of closes her eyes and just takes a second to feel herself kind of coming back to life, coming back to the surface. Um, she's thinking about all the times she heard her name being called, um, you know, at a pep rally, Rogerson saying it, Corinna, um, her mother, the night that, you know, everything kind of hit the fan. And then finally she hears Caitlin and she's kind of like coming back farther and farther up back to reality. And she says it again. She hears it again, Caitlin. And um, there it is. Cass has finally showed up. Oh, she's finally here, which is very lovely and a lovely way to end the book. But I was like, oh, now, now you show up. Okay. <laughs> okay. Also, I have another ad at the back of this book for Sarah Land, yes. www.saraland.com, which Stacey's. is not. Oh, cute. It does not exist anymore. Yeah, which makes me sad. But it's okay because now you have at hate spinner bait pod on Instagram, which is the new Sarah land. So yeah, we're not associated, but we, could but, <laughs> but we could be Sarah hit us up. Um, I yeah, feel very good about her following us on Instagram. I'm like, maybe I feel super good. And I really needed that. Like in, during this novel, Vol novels to yeah, have a little, yeah. a little pick me up. That made me, that made me feel good. But yeah, Dreamland. We've done it. I would like to reiterate that I think that this book is just so important, so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, I can't praise it enough. But at the same time, boy, will I not be revisiting it. No. <laughs> Sarah, no. if you are listening, I'm sorry. It's a beautiful book, but I it's really tough. So. These 31-year-old women have been through too much in their lives to reread that book again. Yeah. But... It is but thank you for writing it. It's it's very important and yes, it's gorgeous. You know, it's that you did. so well done. It's so accurate, and I think that's really what it is. Is like the accuracy and the way that you're able to really feel Caitlin's anxiety and yeah. her like debilitating mental health is so real that it was like okay, this is just too much. Like I can't be put back into that mindset after having yeah. left it. Um, but. You know, so well done. Absolutely gorgeous. I think this book is really important. I feel like um, kids reading this book. I mean, I read it like 15 times and I still got into an abusive relationship. But but um, I still feel like it's an important, important way to know you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. That I think for sure. The fact that. Yeah. Unfortunately, so many people can see themselves in Caitlin. But I think that's why it's so important that this book does exist because 
we need those stories. We need to to realize that, yeah, so many of us have unfortunately gone through that trauma. And like we have said a gazillion times, but we will continue to repeat that it is not your fault. It's never your fault. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, some kid picking up this book and, and finally realizing that maybe through this or realizing like, oh, Caitlin really started to heal when she got into therapy. Maybe I should go ask if I should get into therapy or, you know, something like that. If that helps anyone yeah. um, or, or maybe helps a friend, like we were saying, you know, it's easy for us as, you know, women in our thirties to be like, how are these friends or these families, whatever. If maybe some 16 year old is reading this and being like, oh my God, if my friend is ever in an abusive relationship, like if that helps them see the signs and helps them, you know, be able to, to help out a friend, then that's great. So Yep. Super happy to um, that it exists on the world, and I just think it is absolutely beautiful novel. But yeah, it's it's also a very tough one, and we appreciate everyone for coming along for. For some reason, I always say along for the ride, then I just think of the book along for the ride. But <laughs> for coming along for the ride, uh, that's how good I am at Sarah Dustin. I <laughs> reference her other novels in talking about uh, different ones. But yeah, thanks for thanks for joining us. And next Tuesday, we get to this lullaby, which I have been getting really excited. That's one of my favorites. I have a special place in my heart. It's one of the first ones I read. It is, as we said before, the reason we have the name of our podcast comes from that novel. So this is going to be fun one for us. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I'm excited to discuss it. And... We did it. One of my favorite podcasts is this podcast called Podcast The Ride, which is three men talking about theme parks, but it's very funny and amazing. Oh, fun. And they always end it with, um, because you know, like when you go on a lot of rides, like the whole thing about rides is, you know, when it's all about immersion and stuff and you always, there's like that element of danger, like we're doing this and something went wrong. So at the end of every episode, they end it with you survived podcast, the ride. And I kind of feel like I want to steal that for this episode (laughs) and be like, you survived Kate Spinnerbait, you survived Dreamland. We all did it. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Please follow us on Instagram. Sarah Dessen does. So if you yeah, want to be as cool as her, <laughs> if you want to be like Sarah Dessen, go ahead and follow Hate Spinner Bay Pod on Instagram okay. and uh, join our Patreon. And we might get into the TikTok soon because that's what the cool yes. kids are on. So we are going to try to Keep do your, that. Keep an eye out. I'm not promising that we're going to be good at it, but we might try. So and um, keep, your, keep your eyes peeled for that also if you want us to do bonus episodes on other books that are popular right now like spare by prince harry uh let us know we will probably do it anyway so yeah (laughs) because we just want to talk about it so (laughs) it might just be for our own ears but if you also would like to listen to us talk about it let us know and we'll do that we'll we'll we're gonna record it anyways but if if you want to listen we'll go ahead and edit it (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll edit it for you (laughs) oh geez okay i swear i'm proud of us guys i'm proud of all of us <laughs> we did it love your stuff give yourselves a hug yes please do uh, bye, bye.